The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm and lovely low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Ghost Kissing with myself, Greg H. Peters, and now part of the Decent Family Podcast. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by one of our good friends, Sean Paul. He does amazing work over at Mount Westwire along with the Field of 68. We haven't seen a ton of moves made on the West Coast thus far this offseason, and that's something that we're going to dive in with him on. Can we expect to see a few more moves on the West Coast? We're going to highlight the teams that have made some good moves. We're going to be taking a look at Utah State, the fact that they've got a new coach in Danny Sprinkle. Cal, they might have been the most pathetic power conference team in all of college basketball last season. How their fortunes have turned with Mark Madsen and Fardos Amick coming into the fold there, and we're going to get his thoughts on some of the shall we say, under-the-radar teams of the offseason, because one thing that I love about Sean is that he is also over at Field of 68, those of their mid-major report show, and he does a great job being able to dive deep. There's a lot of people are talking about West Virginia, tons of people talking about Duke, what have you, and for good reason. I think that they have made some absolutely tremendous moves, but I do want to give some love on this podcast to some teams that might be floating under the radar, because typically that's where the value lies. I'm going to be trying to unearth those teams when it comes to the conference previews are going to be happening later on during the offseason because right now too much transfer portal hoopla in order to do any previews I'd be doing a conference preview of a conference preview in that matter because it would all change with north of 1500 players in the transfer portal right now but I'm doing my best to be able to keep things all straight with these on the podcast and in the final segment I am going to give you guys a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Thursday including a new title holder for the uh, distinction of youngest coach in all of college basketball's Nichols made that higher end. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M. They mean does not matter as per usual. Please do send these into the timeline and the other way is find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated and then from there you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Unfortunately, did not get in any Twitter questions today. I'm sure that many of you guys have been enthralled by things like the NBA and NHL playoffs and we're going to be here every single day on this podcast. So if you have a question that you don't have right now, but it pops up in a few weeks, just fire it in whenever you've got it. But we're going to be keeping it going with great guests all throughout the offseason, like our good friend Sean Paul over at the Field of 68 Mountain West Wire, who joins me next right here on Cusco Soups with myself, Greg Hughes Peterson, now a part of the Music Family Podcast.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And now part of the Houston Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by this fan as Sean Paul does absolutely tremendous work over at Mountain West Wire along with the field of 68. 
He does the hosting of their mid-major show over there at the Field of 68. And as you can tell from Mount West Wire, he does a great job of taking a look at all things out here on the West Coast in the Mountain West to be able to follow Sean on Twitter. Now, is that Sean Paul CBB altogether? And that's Sean spelled S-E-A-N. I know that there's a few different spellings on Sean, but Sean, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Always great to have you aboard. And Sean, I'm not sure what you've made out of the offseason thus far, but it feels like the East Coast is having all the fun. We have seen a few coaching moves made out West with Utah State. They pick up Danny Sprinkle because of all the hoopla that we saw this offseason. They end up losing their coach to VCU. So we've seen a lot of shuffling there, but I feel like there have been a lot of West Coast teams that have been a little bit silent here in the transfer portal. And I won't be surprised if we see some of these teams from like the Mountain West, the WCC, the Pac-12 start to make some moves within the next few days and few weeks. Definitely. We've seen some quiet teams in the transfer portal. I think one that kind of comes to mind a little bit is Arizona. You expect them to probably make some moves here, especially at the point guard position. Maybe it's Orion Nemhard, or maybe they look in a different direction because Nemhard seems to be considering Gonzaga or Arizona. They have to find a replacement for Azulas Tubelas, so I'd expect them to add somebody at the four. So they're a team that's been relatively quiet so far. I would expect to pick up some steam here in the coming weeks. And then you look at a team like UCLA, they've added uh, Lazar Stefanovic from Utah and in, in, interconference transfer. But I feel like a lot of Pac-12 teams, especially at the top of the Pac-12, the teams you typically expect to be up there have been fairly quiet. And that kind of goes along with what you said about West Coast schools not really having that same kind of steam so far. Yeah, it has been interesting to gauge them in terms of the transfer portal, but I do think that some of the best moves were made out west in terms of some of the coaching moves because I think Utah State made the best of a bad situation picking up Danny Sprinkle, but I take a look at the pickup of Mark Madsen for Cal, which I think Stanford is just a bunch of complete morons for dropping the ball on this one. Why they still have Jared Haas in the fold, I have no idea, but I felt like Mark Madsen was one of the biggest home run hires of the offseason. He's got Fardos Amek coming with them, who... He was coaching up at Utah Valley two years ago. As we know, he was at Texas Tech this last season. But they're a team that I'm very much stock up on. It's going to take quite a while to be able to rebuild this Cal team, in my opinion. But I think Cal, for the first time in a very long time, has strides forward and reason for optimism. I mean, you look at last year's Cal team, and I think we could both pretty much agree they were the least talented on paper high major team in college basketball. You agree? Yep. I don't think a single guy that was on that roster is a high major basketball player. And we've seen already Lars Tiemann transferred to Loyola Marymount, Sam Alajiki, who I think is probably the most pure talented player on that roster. He wasn't the best numbers-wise, but I think he's the best pure talent. He transferred to Rice. So I think we're seeing that team just, I'm not going to sugarcoat. That team sucked. So when you add a guy like Fardoz Amak, who last year, Cal would not have been able to get a guy like that. You know, Mark Fox has done a lot of winning in his college coaching career. I think that ship ran his course a little bit at Cal. Only won three games last year. Just it didn't really work. And they would not have been able to get a guy like Amak last year. And then you get a guy like Jalen Cohn who has done it at the high major level at Virginia Tech. He was a solid role player there. And then he went to NAU and was just absolutely dominant. Cal should be a lot better. They're a couple moves away from being a lot better, I feel like, because those two players by far would have been the best player on last year's team. So you add a couple more pieces, maybe a, a nice shooting wing, someone to team up with AMAC down low, a stretch four. And I think Cal should be fairly competitive, maybe like a 12, 13, 14 win type team. 
Yeah, but absolutely. I don't think we're going to see a turnaround like we saw with Iowa State a few years ago where they went from winning two games, both against swag opponents, and they make the Sweet 16. Hey, hey, that but, would we be... could see it. but we could see it. Like, that's the thing about the transfer portal. Like, did anybody realistically think Missouri would be in the tournament in Dennis Gates' first year? Did anyone think that T.J. Otzelberger would turn that thing around in one offseason? No. So it's not impossible for Madsen to figure things out in one offseason. Now, I will play back the tape. I felt Missouri could make the NCAA tournament last year. I am on record on that one. But... Right, play the tapes. Yes, I'm more than happy to because I was on record of saying Missouri had a chance to be able to make the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, man. We have seen some very dramatic turnarounds here at the transfer portal, and you hit on a really good point. I feel like in this day and age, more is expected out of these coaching hires because of what we just laid out. Dennis Gates, the job that he did at Missouri, TJ Osberger, the job that he did at Iowa State. You can have a team go from being incredibly sorry like those teams were the previous year and be able to make the NCAA tournament and win a game or two in March. And I do think that it's just a completely different landscape in college basketball than it was even four to five years ago. No, you have a great uh, great point there. I mean, Cal is a little bit different than a, than a Missouri and an Iowa State. It's a tough job. Even though they've had some talent, I mean, you look at the Jalen Brown and Ivan Rab year. They've just had so many teams that have disappointed. And even like they had Matt Bradley. Like, I feel like people honestly forget that at this point. They've had a lot of talent. They've had a lot of disappointing seasons to go along with that. But I think they found the right guy that can win at that school with Mark Madsen. I'll say, now you can play back the tape in a couple of years if I'm wrong or if I'm right, but I think Mark Madsen will have them in the tournament in the next three years. I think that three years is very fair. I do think that he's just exactly what Cal needed. I think that this is absolutely massive for them. One of the best hires of the offseason, as we do have Sean Paul. He does great work over at the field of 68 at Mount Westwire joining me on the podcast. And I mentioned that you do work for Mount Westwire. And we did see a lot of changes happen this offseason with Utah State. It is now Danny Sprinkle in the fold. And how do you think this Utah State team is going to be looking? Because as we know, their main three-point shooter from last year, Steve Ashworth, he goes to Creighton, by the way, in A-plus pickup. For creating yeah. exactly what they needed. I don't think there's any debating that, but I take a look at this Utah State team and I'm very intrigued to see how they're going to be looking this year because they were one of the top three point shooting teams in all of college basketball this past season. But that's not really Danny Sprinkle's MO. And the way they turned around Mount Montana State in recent years was via the defensive end. I'm curious to see what this team is going to look like. They've already made one addition that I liked with Nigel Burris coming in from Idaho. Burris was one of the more efficient scorers in the Big West last season, or Big Sky last season. He shot 52% from the field, 44 from deep. He's six foot seven, can play the four. I think that's a role he'll probably play for Utah State. I think he'll be a good player. Uh, three three years of eligibility remaining, but Utah State they have a tough task ahead because when Craig Smith left and Ryan Odom got the job, Ryan Odom had it. I'm not going to say easy, but he still had a lot of those guys around to rebuild with. I mean, he kept Justin Bean. He brought in Brandon Horvath. Obviously, both those guys were gone for this year, but he was able to keep a lot of the foundational pieces around. That is not the case this time. Pretty much every single player from that Utah State team, except for Z Hamoda, who's going to be a good player in this system, has left. I think Danny Sprinkle is really going to have to dig into the portal and figure out who he can bring in. One name I would keep an eye on, I guess, is probably Gray Osibor 
who was a really solid player for Montana State. He's in the portal. Maybe he goes and follows Danny Sprinkle. Raekwon Battle has interest from just about everybody in the country, so I don't know if he's going to go to Utah State. But I think Sprinkle will figure it out. He's such a good coach. He did a great job at Montana State. I think it'll take a couple years, but I think he'll get it going. I do think so as well. Danny Sprinkle, I think, is one of the more underrated coaches in all of college basketball. I thought that that was a tremendous move, and I do think that what Texas Tech was very good as well, bringing in Grant McCaslin, I loved at North Texas, and we're sort of speculating as to what we're going to be seeing at Utah State. I do think that it is fair to see what we're going to be getting at Texas Tech, because with McCaslin, what was so distinctive about him is that his North Texas team last year, they weren't just the slowest team in all of college basketball. They were the slowest team in all of college basketball by an average of about a full possession plus per game, and Trying to pick up that many pieces to run that style, I just don't think is necessarily realistic here in one off season. But I do like this hire for Texas Tech. I just wonder what he's going to be able to run in season number one because I feel like this might be a little bit of a hybrid year before he can get his full lot of guys in year two and beyond. I agree with you. But the one thing I need to say right now, and I tweeted this the other day, and it's honestly like this has honestly gotten on my nerves a little bit. Texas Tech fans are acting like Grant McCaslin just lost every single game of the. 2023-2024 season when Jalen Tyson entered the transfer portal. Let's relax a little bit. The season is nowhere near starting. They're like, oh, I don't think McCaslin's a guy because he lost Jalen Tyson. I, It's going to be fine. McCaslin's a great coach. He knows how to win. He's going to get his guys in that want to play his style that are going to win. Tyson's a great player, but he brought in Darian Williams the next day from Nevada. He's a perfect Grant McCaslin player. He's going to be a really good replacement for Jalen Tyson. I think Texas Tech fans need to relax a little bit because McCaslin's proven time and time again that he is a winner. He won the NIT this year. Probably could have won several games in the NCAA tournament the last couple of seasons. Hat. Had North Texas made it, he's won a game in the tournament before. I think he's going to win a lot at Texas Tech. Will it be this year? Maybe, maybe not. But Texas Tech fans need to relax because Grant McCaslin will get things going in Lubbock in no time. I think so as well. I really like Grant McCaslin as a coach. He's been a winner everywhere that he has been. And what he was able to do at North Texas was very impressive. As we do have Sean Paula does great work over at Mountain West Wire, along with the Field of 68 joining me on the podcast. And... I know you've been hearing a lot about these teams that have been winning the offseason, winning the transfer portal, the likes of West Virginia, Creighton, and Duke, and they've all made tremendous moves. No question about it. It's been a good offseason for them, but who have been a few teams that have been a little bit more under the radar that you take a look at some of their moves and you're feeling very bullish on them and you feel like they deserve a little bit more love? It's a good question. You mentioned West Virginia. That's an interesting one. I'm honestly a little more skeptical about what they've done because I don't really think Jose Perez is a fit at this level. We saw it at Marquette. He wasn't much of a fit there. I don't think he'll be much of a fit at West Virginia either. But one school I would say that I've kind of grown on in the last couple days is probably Kansas just because they added Nick Timberlake. I think they identify that they had a need at the shooting guard position. They need a guy that can go in and shoot 40% from deep. They went and got that guy. Obviously, they're in the mix for Harrison Ingram and Hunter Dickinson. I don't know if they'll get those guys, but they needed somebody to shoot the basketball. They got their guy. I think that was a positive ad for them. Kansas still has a ton of talent returning with Dewan Harris and K.J. Adams, and they have a solid recruiting class coming in. But if they didn't add that shooter, their shooting percentages would have been ugly. So I think that's a big ad for them. Penn State is another one that comes to mind here. Because you bring in the BCU guys, you get Ace Baldwin, who was great in the A-10. You get Nick Kern, maybe you get Jalen Deloach, too. But you got Zach Hicks, as we're recording this, a stretch 
wing who should be a really solid player for Penn State. I think Mike Rhodes will have things going over there in no time. I think they've been a little bit under the radar just because Ace Baldwin, I feel like everybody assumed he would go there, but uh, it finally happened. And then Oklahoma in the last day has added two really solid players with Javian McCollum, who I think is a perfect replacement for Grant Shurfield, averaged 15 a game for Siena, had 24 points against Ole Miss. He led them to a win against Seton Hall. His quickness and his ability to score the basketball off the bounce should be a really good addition for this Oklahoma team. And then John Hughley, who was a medical redshirt this year, was a really dominant player in the ACC for Pittsburgh two years ago. So I think those two could really be foundational pieces for Oklahoma this year. And what could be a pretty big year for Porter Moser because he's two years into his tenure in Norman and he didn't make the tournament either of his first two seasons. So if he can make the tournament this year, that would probably go a long way for him staying the head coach at Oklahoma. But those two are going to play a big piece in that. They'll probably be Oklahoma's two best players in a really sacked Big 12. Yeah, but I do think that the Big 12 is going to be locked and loaded as well. And I do think that Houston is going to be one of the best teams in all of college basketball as well. They are going to be losing a lot of their backcourt from last season. As Trayvon Mark, he's someone that went to Arkansas in the offseason. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Arkansas getting in on the act. But what have you made on the moves that Houston has made this offseason? Because I think that they're a team that they just know what the heck they are doing. You've got such a savvy coaching staff that they always find a way to get guys that they fit their system. I absolutely love what they've been able to do this offseason. I think that Houston is one of those teams that needs to be in the conversation as one of the top teams in all of college basketball entering into this next season as well. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, even before they got Cryer and done, I was like, there's no reason to believe that Houston just done. Because Kelvin Sampson finds ways to figure it out. You look at what happened two years ago in the tournament. There's no reason that team should have been in the Elite Eight. They were without Sasser. They were without Mark. They were without so many players due to injury. And yet Kelvin Sampson had them knocking on the door of a Final Four. So you always have to take that into account when you're thinking about what Sampson and Houston does. But Cryer was a bit of an interesting fit just because I didn't think he was a Houston guy because he's not that tough defensive guy, but he comes from a really tough defensive system at Baylor. So I think he'll be just fine at Houston as kind of the Sasser replacement. Him and Jamal Shedd will form a really good backcourt duo. And Damian Dunn is kind of the perfect fit for this Houston team. He's a big time scorer. He has a good size. He can defend. Good three and deep potential there with Dunn. Obviously, Samson saw him a lot the last couple of seasons at Temple. So I think he's going to be a really solid fit. But the name I'm really watching isn't a transfer, but it's Terrence Arsenault. Was still somewhat on NBA draft boards despite barely playing this year. And he's a big-time athlete, big-time defender. I think if Houston's able to be a top five, top three team next season, they're going to need a breakout season from Terrence Arsenault in order to get there. But you're looking at the starting five. You have Shed, you have Cryer, you have Dunn. Are you playing Arsenault as a small ball four? And then you're playing Jawan Roberts at the five? I would guess that's probably what we're looking at right now, and that's a really good starting lineup if you're Houston. Yep, I think that Houston has done an incredible job, and I think that we are going to be seeing a lot of interesting moves in the offseason. And, Sean, I know you're doing a great job with it all. A little bit too early to be doing conference previews for many of us right now. Is Right now we've got just so many guys in the transfer portal, north of 1,500 guys, but I know that once we get some clarity, you're going to be doing a great job. On that front, I know that you're doing amazing work tracking everything that we're getting this college basketball offseason. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SeanPaulCBB, and anything I really do, you'll see on there first. Awesome, and Sean does incredible work taking a look at the great game of college basketball, and always appreciate him joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Thursday. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back here. Love you, Las Vegas. For Ghost Ghosts with myself, Greg Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, it was great to be able to get on our good friend Sean Paul, who does amazing work over at the Field of 68, along with Mountain Westwire, doing an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. A guy that truly does an amazing job of taking a look at these low-slash-mid-majors. I know that it is a labor of love for many people, and he is one of the best in the business of being able to do so. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a roundup as to everything that we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. Well, this was supposed to be a big addition for the Wisconsin Badgers, and apparently things have been reopened as Noah Reynolds has decided that he is not going to be transferring to the Wisconsin Badgers. He is back in the transfer portal. Very bad news for the Wisconsin Badgers, in which it finally felt like they were starting to figure something out in the transfer portal. Being someone from the state of Wisconsin, having a sister that graduated from Wisconsin, being a UW Oshkosh graduate, this is a kick of the family jewels right here. I mean, man, this team, it felt like they were finally getting on the golden road to actually being relevant and playing 21st century basketball. Now this happens. Good news is they are still getting AJ Store from St. John's, but that is relatively rough if you're a fan of the Wisconsin Badgers. That happened very late Wednesday night, so that was a little bit rough, but teams are having a little bit more fortune in the transfer portal, and some pretty notable ones, as Shamir Bogues has decided that he is going to be going to Vermont, and this is big. Vermont has actually done a very nice job in the transfer portal in recent years. Not a team that you would necessarily put in that category, but they bring in Chase Rockelmore. He was able to have a nice season at UC San Diego, not necessarily a guy that did one thing great, but a guy that's able to do a wide variety of things. They're bringing in TJ Long along with Brenton Mills, some guys that have had some success in the past. Mills in the AEC with Binghamton a couple seasons ago, TJ Long over at Fairfield, and now bringing in Shamir Bogues I think is interesting because Vermont is a team that if there has been a little bit of trepidation with them, it is the fact that they don't necessarily generate a lot of steals, they don't necessarily put a lot of pressure on the ball, and Bogues comes in from a style in Tarleton State of which they were just looking to generate turnover upon turnover with Bogues this last season. He was a all-wag defensive player. 
He was able to register nine and a half points per contest. Shot 36% from three-point range, two steals per contest. I think that this might be the missing element for this Vermont team. Very good pickup, Indiana State. They pick up a nice shooter in the portal in Jake Wolf, who spent many years over at Moritz State to begin his career at Lipscomb as well. So he's been in the OVC slash Atlantic Sun. And this last year was able to register nine points, right around two and a half assists, shot 36.5% from three. Two seasons ago, he was on very low volume, but shot 48% from three. He's a career about 36% three-point shooter. He's used to playing a little bit more up-tempo with being in that Lipscomb style a few seasons ago. I think that he's a good fit for Indiana State. Not a guy that is going to be playing serious minutes or is going to be like some 15-point-per-game scorer, but could be a nice number four, number five coming off the bench, sixth-man sort, so I like this move. George Mason, they get a nice add in Darius Maddox. Maddox last season at Virginia Tech only played 20 games due to injury, but when he was out there, he was a solid contributor, being able to give the team 8.5 points per contest two seasons ago. He was used as a microwave score, shot 50% from three, 79% at the free throw line on about 6.5 points per contest, so with a little bit of a bigger load, he was not necessarily able to put up quite the same numbers that he did two seasons ago in terms of efficiency, but I think that he should be able to go into George Mason, go into the conference in general, have some nice success, so I do like this move. you got Jake Vanderheijen. He was playing this last season over at Bucknell. He has decided that he is going to be heading over to North Florida, and this is a nice ad for North Florida. He's a six foot nine big man that played in the Patriot League and was a starter two years ago. Fell a little bit out of favor this last season, but he's a stretchable player. At six foot nine, two seasons ago, shot forty one percent from three point range, six and a half points, right around three and a half rebounds per game. You would like to see him rebound a little bit more for a North Florida team that they have been relatively putrid on defense in recent seasons. But I do like this pickup. He's going to be one of the more versatile players out in the Atlantic Sun, so that is nice for them. Zane Meeks has decided that he is going from San Francisco to Arizona State. Arizona State has done a very nice job with some of these transfers from the West Coast and the Mountain West along the WCC and Zane Meeks. He began his career in Nevada, so that pipeline is continuing as last season Mr. Meeks was able to register 10.9 points, 5 boards, shot about 32.5% from 3-point range. It's a six foot nine, little bit of a combo player. He's a relatively solid defensive player. I'm not going to say that he's like dominant or anything like that, but I think that he should be able to come in, have some very good success with Arizona State. I like what they've been able to do in the transfer portal thus far this season, though losing DJ Horn is going to be a big deal for them. Greg Gant, he was a pretty much designated rebounder for NC State two seasons ago as he's actually a former top 100 recruit that began his career at Providence this past year for NC State. Only two points per game, but was able to give the team four and a half rebounds per contest. He was able to see quite a few starts, was a little bit banged up. He has decided that he is going to be going to UNC Asheville. I don't think that he's going to be taking the leaps of someone like a Drew Pember who just became Mr. Do-It-All with like 20 points, state boards, multiple blocks, shot 40% from three-point range or anything like that. But Gant, he's a high-level athlete, a former top 100 recruit. Being able to get someone like this for UNC Asheville, that's a very good way for them to go. They were able to make the NCAA tournament this last season. Lots of upside with them. I like this pickup. Max Lorsa Lloyd, he was playing this last season at Penn. He has decided that he is going to be going to UMBC. I'm not sure why his minutes were slashed towards the back half of the season, but I really like what I saw from him early on during the campaign. You take a look at his first six games of the season, and he was putting up good numbers. He was able to give the team right around six boards, 1.2 blocks, 4.5 points per contest, and then Penn just stopped giving him minutes. He plays a little bit more of a defensive style. 
Not a guy that is necessarily going to give you a lot on offense. And what UMBC has been missing in recent years has been any form of defense whatsoever. I think that this is exactly what the doctor ordered for them. I really like this pickup. So I do think that this is well done to being in a little bit more of a defense-oriented player into a program in UMBC that has been very good with their offense has not been so terrific with their defense. Davion Smith, he was playing at Georgia Tech this last season, began his career at Mississippi State, and is a former top 75 recruit. He's decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal at his best year of college basketball this last year with Georgia Tech. Didn't do one thing great, but was a stat sheet stuffer for Georgia Tech. Eight points, three points, seven assists, one steal, five and a half rebounds. Shot only about 26% from three-point range, but a bad shot for him was better than a good shot for a lot of his teammates because Georgia Tech, we were talking about it with our good friend, Sean Paul, they weren't the least talented power conference team in all of college basketball, but they weren't far from it as that distinction belonged to Cal, but it was a relatively rough year for Georgia Tech. Davion Smith, he was Mr. Do-It-All for this team, so we shall see where he ends up. Jarrett Hensley, he began his career at UNC Greensboro, went to Cincinnati after he didn't see a lot of minutes at UNC Greensboro, was just really riding the bench. You have to feel like he was just there for the coach itself as he followed Wes Miller. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal some of this last season. Every two points per contest at six foot eight. I think that he could make a little bit of a splash for like a really low level like Big South team or something like that, but a little bit more of a walk-on type. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make too much of an impact, but he is out there in the transfer portal. Another one of these sorts of guys is Jackson Harding. He was playing this last season at Cal Baptist. He really did not see the floor too much at six foot eight. He comes from Australia, might be able to pop a few threes, but we just haven't seen anything of him, so he decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Will Shaver, he was playing this last season at North Carolina, just could not see minutes out there. He has decided that he is going to be going to Belmont, and I mean, a lot of this is just North Carolina, typically. They just have one or two guys that they really don't fit the system. He was a former top 150 recruit. As a matter of fact, 247 Sports for the class of 2021 rated him as the number two recruit from the state of Alabama for that season. He's six foot ten. He's able to clog things up down low. And for Belmont, they really didn't have a truly good rebounder on the team this last year. They were great on offense. They weren't so great on defense. They have discovered in the Missouri Valley Conference you're going to need a little bit more defense. This is a terrific fit for them. So I like what they've done, and they get a nice fit in the transfer portal. Carrington Davis, he was playing at Lindenwood this last season. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Someone who had six foot seven just really did not see the floor this past season, but someone that just watching him at the D2 level, I do feel like he was able to have a little bit of upside, so we shall see if he gets picked up by anyone like Noel Brown was able to. He was playing this last season over at George Mason, and he has decided that he is going to be staying within the conference, and he is going to be heading to the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Last two seasons, he did see a combined 17 starts, but really didn't fit the fold of George Washington at six foot 11. He just really doesn't run the floor the way that George Washington would have liked him to. He was able to give the team about three and a half points per contest. St. Bonaventure, they play a little bit more of a slow style. They like having that good big man like that with Oshun Oshuni for many years. I don't think that he's going to be necessarily Oshun Oshuni, but at the same time, I do think that this is going to be a relatively solid pickup for them. You're telling that St. Bonaventure is realizing that perhaps they do need a little bit more depth, and this could be a nice piece for 
them. Jeremiah Bembry, he has decided that he is going to be hitting the transfer portal as well. He decided that he was just going to redshirt this past season over at Florida State. And a guy that has a little bit of upside. You take a look at him in terms of his recruitment. A former top 275 recruit, a top 10 recruit from the state of Pennsylvania. At six foot six, is able to handle the ball, give you a little bit of three-point shooting, a little bit of a work in progress from the outside. But at the same time, I do think that he could be a rather good impact player. So we shall see what happens there. Cam Baycoat, he was playing at Western Carolina this last season. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. He just didn't necessarily see the floor this last season. Two seasons ago, was a starter at Western Carolina, was able to supply the team with 8 points, 2.8 assists per contest, was from 3-point range, about a 31% shooter for his career, more around 31.5%, but just got banged up this season. He has played at Maryland Eastern Shore, Indiana State, Western Carolina. Who is going to be stop number 4? We shall see as he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Nick Kramer decided that he is going to be going from St. Louis and he's heading to Missouri State. He's a guy that redshirted this past season, just could not see minutes as he was in the shadow of so many people of the likes of Yuri Collins and so many more Gibson Jimerson. You take a look at him coming out of high school according to 247 Sports. A guy with a little bit of upside, a relatively good three-star recruit at six foot four is able to pop the three relatively well. Doesn't necessarily have the most well-rounded game, but at the same time, is able to give a little bit of scoring that should be big for a Missouri State team that was one of the slowest teams in off college basketball this last season. I did mention the fact that Morehead State did lose one of their top shooters in Jake Wolf. Well, they picked someone up in return as they pick up Deontay Miles. Miles has always been someone that I've expected a little bit more from. He's been at Xavier the last three seasons. He's just seen a decrease in minutes in every one of his campaigns. And for Morehead State, they did a very solid job of running things through Alex Gross down low this last season. I do think that this is a very good pickup for them as you take a look at Deontay Miles when he was coming out of high school. He was a top 200 guy, number four recruit in the state of Kentucky, according to 247 Sports many, many years ago. Having a guy like this in the Ohio Valley Conference, a just relatively down Ohio Valley Conference, I think that that is going to be big for them. We were talking about this with our good friend Sean Paul in the last segment. The fact that Oklahoma has done a nice job in the transfer portal. They pick up John Hughley as they also were able to get Javion McCollum from Siena a day or two ago. Now they've got the big man in Hughley, a former top 150 recruit that two seasons ago, he was really Pitt's top player. 14.8 points, 8 boards, just under a block per contest. Not a guy that's going to go out there and pop threes, but just had an injury riddled year this past season for Oklahoma. They were not stout on the inside with regards to their defense. Porter Mosier looking to play a relatively slow, rather methodical style, so he brings in a pair of guys in McCollum along Hughley that are used to playing a little bit more of a slow style. I think that this is going to fit what he's looking to do perfectly. So I love this pickup. I like this pickup as well. I know that our good friend Sean was talking about this one as well. Zach Hicks has decided that he is going from Temple. We give our Odelaine Kiffin go owls, and he's staying in the state of Pennsylvania. He is adding on over to Penn State, a relatively versatile guy that was a starter this last year with nine and a half points. Right around five boards, shot 35.5% from three-point range at six foot seven. This would be a prototypical Michael Sh- Micah Shrewsbury type of guy. Obviously, we've got a little bit of a regime change here now, but I do think that what we're going to be seeing out of Mike Rhodes and how he's going to be able to build this program, this is going to be a nice fit for him. So I absolutely love what Penn State has been able to do in the transfer portal as far. What North Carolina done, I do think is 
relatively intriguing as now they pick up Cormac Ryan. They were able to get Jalen Weathers from Louisville. I think that he's going to be an okay fit, but not a guy that I think elevates North Carolina. They're just poaching guys from other ACC schools, it feels like at this point, as Cormac Ryan, a nice year this last year at Notre Dame. 12.3 points, four boards, two and a half assists, was able to shoot about 34.9% from three as a six foot five, a little bit of a combo player. Can he play any defense whatsoever? Because the two guys that they have brought in from the ACC via the transfer portal, they were on two of the worst defenses in all of college basketball. They were okay scores, but they weren't great scores. I've got my question marks there. So, the North Carolina Tar Heels pick up Cormac Ryan in the transfer portal, so good on them, I guess. We've got Ike Cornish. He has decided that he is going from Maryland, and he is going to be going to Ohio. I think that Ohio is having themselves a very nice go of it here in the transfer portal as they pick up someone in Cornish that just really couldn't see the floor with Maryland. Played 21 career games, was able to give the team about 1.4 points per contest, much like what Sharif Mitchell, the other transfer, was that they're bringing in from Creighton was, as Mitchell was averaging about two points per contest this last year at Creighton. These are a pair of guys that were relatively highly touted, three stars, sort of top 150, top 200 guys that I do think have quite a bit of upside. Cornish is not someone I think is going to be going out there and shooting a bunch of threes. I think that he's a little bit more of a versatility sort of guy, but for Ohio, they were a little bit lacking in terms of their defense. Being able to add someone like an Ike Cornish, I think is going to be tremendous for them. Michael O'Connell has decided that he is entering into the transfer portal. He was playing at Stanford the last few seasons, and he has been a starter at Stanford. 76 career starts over the course of three seasons, but had never really put up big numbers. For his career, 6.3 points, a steal, three and a half boards, shot 30% from three, was just a little bit of a this and that guy that really didn't facilitate the offense. He was able to give the team a little bit over three assists per contest, but even though he was really a point guard, he didn't have the ball in his hands necessarily a ton. I'm very interested to see what he can do in another system because I just feel like Jared Haas in general is a moron of a coach. I had no idea how to utilize Michael O'Connell. I don't know if it was a system or if it was O'Connell himself. I'm going to pin this on Jared Haas because we have seen nothing to the contrary that leads me to believe that he has any idea what he's doing right now with this Stanford team, but I do think that Michael O'Connell being able to hit the transfer portal and find a new opportunity, that's going to be great for him, and wherever he goes, he'll probably turn out to be a very good player, so he has decided that he is going to be transferring away. Kevin Easley Jr. really didn't see a lot of minutes this last year at Duquesne, was battling injuries, only saw three games. He has decided that he is going to Coastal Carolina. Big addition for Coastal Carolina. They were one of the most putrid defenses in all of college basketball. When healthy easily two seasons ago at Duquesne, put up some nice numbers. Seven and a half points, six and a half boards, 1.4 seals, shot 33% from three as a six foot seven. Two at all sort of players. Now, that was a relatively sad Duquesne team two seasons ago, but he was able to showcase himself relatively well, and I do think that a Coastal Carolina team that they just need to find any sort of defense. He's going to be able to help out with that. Missouri State got another addition on Thursday as well as they are going to be picking up Cesar Edwards. He was playing at Xavier this last season, so he's going to be joining Nick Kramer as a pair of guys that they just really didn't see a lot of minutes at their previous stop, at the very least. Unlike Kramer, he actually did see a few minutes, but for Edwards, he was someone I thought had quite a bit of upside with him. He was a top 125 recruit, according to 247 Sports, a guy that at six foot nine has a little bit of versatility. Not going to go out there and just pump in there a bunch of threes or anything like that, but has shown the ability to have a little bit of touch 
throughout his career this past season, right around two points, two rebounds per contest. Xavier just really did not dive into their bench whatsoever, so he did not have a chance to shine. So we shall see how he's going to be able to do at Missouri State, but Missouri State did a lot of this in the transfer portal last season. It worked out quite well for them. They are trying that approach this year, and there's no reason to doubt this coaching staff this time around as well. Marion Ellis, he just could not get out there on the floor for Marquette this last season after being the number one recruit from the state of Iowa in the class of 2021, a former top 125 recruit. He is heading to Bradley, and I do think that Bradley has themselves a nice little bit of a gem here with Ellis. Did not play at all this past season. Two years ago at Marquette, he shot 55.6% from three-point range. Obviously, on a very small sample size of threes, I think that he took something like nine or ten in total, which is why you've got that very demonstrative percentage. But Ellis was a very good high school performer out there in the state of Iowa, was one of the best players in the Midwest. There's a lot of untapped potential here, so I do like what Bradley is getting. Going to be a little bit of a project, but if they can get him up to speed, if they can get him playing some defense, I think that this is going to be a tremendous ad for them. We also saw Grand Canyon's Chase McMillan decide that he was going to be heading on over to Texas Tech. This actually happened just after our interview with our good friend Sean Paul as this is, I think, going to be another nice addition for them. As for Texas Tech, I'm not necessarily sure if they're going to be able to run the same style that Grant McCaslin was able to while he was at North Texas, being the slowest team in all of college basketball. But he's adding some nice pieces with McMillan. Last season at Grand Canyon, a team that made the NCAA tournament, shot 44.4% from three-point range, 11 points, two assists per game. Perhaps he plays that Tyler Perry role because I don't think that Texas Tech is going to be able to land our friend Tyler Perry. Perry is a man that we have seen in Hollywood. Now we're seeing him on the hardwood, but I do think that this is going to be a very impactful ad for them, and Florida has been busy this offseason. One of the effects of being able to bring in the likes of Micah Hanglotten, Walter Clayton, and company is that you are going to lose a few guys. Trey Bonham is one of those guys that they've lost, and for Bonham, he transferred in from the SoCon. Now he's going to be back with his old coach that was coaching him up a few years ago at VMI and Dan Earl as he has decided that he is going to Chattanooga, and I think that this is a tremendous fit for Bonham. While he was in the SEC this last season, he still was able to put up right around five and a half points per contest, shot 33% from three at VMI in his two seasons there. Earl was able to turn him into a scoring machine, 11.3 points, three assists, shot 37% from three-point range. Chattanooga going to need to work on their defense a little bit. That was testy this last season, but I do think that this is a very impactful ad for them, and I think that this is exactly what they need. And Tristan Iranura, he has decided that he is going to be returning to Cleveland State. This is going to be massive for Cleveland State as they were able to find themselves towards back half of the season, losing Dennis Gates, as we were talking about with Sean Paul. That was a big deal, but Iranura is a former top one recruit that just did everything for Cleveland State this last season, other than really shoot threes. He was not able to shoot threes to save his life, but 15 and a half points, a block, a steal, six and a half rebounds per game. He does it all at six foot eight. It was the top scorer for this team a season ago, a team that was able to play some relatively solid defense. So I like what they're doing. And then on the front of coaching news, Tevon Sadler is now Nichols' new head coach. Nichols lost Austin Clonch late in the process as he actually went to Alabama to become an assistant. And for Sadler, he's younger than myself. This is someone that is 28 years old. He was an assistant over at Maryland. So good to see a young guy getting opportunity. He is now going to be the youngest coach in all of college basketball unless we see a higher late in the process, but someone that is from the area. He was spending a little bit of time as a graduate assistant at South Alabama, and with Maryland, he did a very solid job 
of recruiting. I do think that he is going to be able to have lots of success right off the bat, and we're going to be looking to have success this upcoming college basketball season because, as you guys know, bets that are won during the college basketball season, they are won through great preparation and just getting prepared for what is going to be an amazing season. Going to be doing conference previews once things settle down with the transfer portal. This will probably be the next, I would say, 30-plus days that we're going to need to gauge a transfer portal before we can get into those conference previews, but as soon as we can do conference previews, going to be doing those conference previews, and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Podcast, Coast Coast Hoops. You're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. And that five star review, big thanks to Sean Paul over at Mount West Wire and Field of 68 for joining me in the last segment. Good to be coming at you guys every Every single day throughout the year, not just the season, but during the offseason as well, taking a look at this great game of college basketball. So I will chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.